from Anchor FM, this is Etch the Edges, where we climb the steep cliffs of the divide, the issues that separate us from the right and the left, and we do the hard work of closing that divide. Find the common ground we know we all share. Hi, I'm B.S. Brown, your host, and together we will etch the edges. America has often been at the crossroads, and yet here we are again. What do we do? And how do we do it? Together, let's get into it. Our purpose? To do the work. To truly peel away at the extremes, for it's the extremes, the extremes that divide us. The tail is wagging the dog. Small groups of people with outsized voices are commanding the stage, and the rest of us? Well, the rest of us suffer for it. It's time for all that to change. Let's lean into discomfort. Let's have the hard conversations, and together, let's etch the edges. Welcome back to Edge the Edges, the show where we do the hard work of leaning into discomfort, closing the ideological divides, asking questions, everyday questions, because we're everyday people, asking those questions of everyday people who tend to do outsized and often extraordinary things. Our special guest today is Judge Angela Duncan. She is Gwinnett County's Superior Court Judge, and she's running to retain that office. Judge Duncan, thank you for coming on the show. Good morning. Thank you so much. It's my honor and my privilege. Absolutely. So pleased to have you this morning. Well, we're going to dive right in because as we were saying just before the show kicked off, you're a judge, you're busy, and you've got serious, important things to do. So please, Judge, first out the gate, give us some insight into who you are, what your journey's been, and what it is that you do that's so important for the citizens of Gwinnett County. Well, I think I'm going to answer those questions in reverse. Um, the citizens need to know or understand that uh, Gwinnett County Superior Court Judge, we handle, uh, we are the court of general, general jurisdiction. We are the highest trial court um, in the county, and we can literally hear everything. Uh, however, we have exclusive jurisdiction over the following things, and that is all felonies, so any crime punishable by one year or more, um, an example would be felony theft by taking all the way up to murder. Um, we have exclusive jurisdiction over all family law cases. So family law um, is going to be divorce, custody, child support, child modification, legitimation, and adoptions, which, of course, we love to do adoptions. Um, <laughs> We also have exclusive jurisdiction over any type of lawsuit uh, dealing with uh, land or the claims to property. So if people are arguing about a property boundary, if they're arguing about who has title to that land, that's going to come to superior court. Um, that is our exclusive jurisdiction. Our general jurisdiction means that we can hear anything that any of the lower courts can hear. Uh, we also hear appeals from the lower courts. As I was telling you uh, earlier, um, we just selected a jury on, a, on an armed robbery, home invasion, and kidnapping case. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that uh, we deal with on an almost daily basis. Um, your second question is, um, who am I? Um, well, my name is, uh, and I, I answered the question about what I do first, because I think uh, what I do is far more important um, than who, did I lose you? Nope, I'm here. Okay, I, I can't see you anymore. Hang on one are. second. No, I got it, I got it. Okay, good, good, good. Hopefully you'll edit that out. Yeah, we'll get rid of that. <laughs> okay. Um, what I do is far more important than who I am. Um, I've been uh, a judge for a very long time. Um, I took a rather unconventional path uh, to the bench. Um, you know, a lot of people start out, they have a long uh, legal career as an attorney practicing in different areas of the law. Um, and then uh, they, you typically reach a, a judge later on in that career. 
Um, I became a judge. I was the youngest judge in Georgia at the age of 29 uh, for, for a very brief time, for maybe a year. Uh, and I was a municipal court judge. Um, I knew early on um, when I was actually in law school that I wanted to be a judge and I wanted to be a judge as a career choice, just like someone would want to be an attorney as a career choice. Um, and that inspiration came from when I was in law school, I worked at the law firm of Gambrell and Stoltz. And Judge Stoltz was a retired court of appeals judge. Um, and he really took me under his wing, un, under his wing and, uh, and worked with me and helped me understand a lot of things at a very young age that I, and give me insight that I wouldn't have ordinarily had. Um, so I became a municipal court judge in 1999 in the city of Chambly. And, uh, and I served in that position until uh, ultimately becoming the chief judge for the city of Chambly. Um, and I ultimately retired in January of 2020 uh, upon taking this position. Um, in addition, that's a part-time municipalities, municipal court judges are typically part-time. And over the course of that 20 years, I became a municipal court judge in the city of Doraville. I was there for 10 years. Uh, in the city of Norcross, I was what's called a judge pro tem, which it's a glorified name for being a substitute judge. Um, and I sat there for 17 years, uh, filling in whenever the um, regular judges were unable to do so. And then the city of Snellville, I was there from uh, for 10 years. And the, finally, the city of Swanee, I was there from 2014 to 2016. And as a municipal court judge, we're handling we're handling um, everything from uh, stop sign violations to DUIs and of course, any local ordinance or county ordinance or city ordinance violations. Um, my favorite thing about being a municipal court judge is that we really got to deal with the people. Um, and I think that for me is the heart of how I practice and, and how I behave as a judge. I recognize that ultimately no matter what's going on, it's really all about the people that are appearing in front of you, whether it's a jury, whether it's the litigants, whether it's the lawyers. Um, you know, I go to court every day uh, for a living. So when I walk into a courtroom, it's not that intimidating, um, especially when I'm in charge. Um, <laughs> it's not that intimidating. But I, I keep in mind that every day when someone else walks through those courtroom doors, it might be their first time and it might be extremely intimidating. And I see really good people on their really worst days. And so I think it is incumbent upon me as a judge uh, to be able to look at it, to look at their situation, not only through the eyes of the law, but also through the eyes of that individual. Um, I can't, I can't, I don't put people in cookie cutter positions based on their charges or based on uh, anything else. Uh, so that's always been my focus. And I've been able to learn that through the series of having those different jobs, those different positions in municipalities. In 2004, I became a part-time magistrate judge in Gwinnett County. Um, my glorious job for 12 years was to spend the night at the jail, um, working the overnight shift, uh, issuing the arrest warrants and search warrants uh, that were issued uh, during the night. Uh, can, you, County... can, you, can you elaborate on that piece, Judge Duncan? Because, you know, it's funny. I went through uh, Gwinnett 101 myself yeah. uh, just last year. And, you know, just person coming into the system to understand how things work and why local government is so important. And as you say, you know, we were taking a tour and a lot of us were like, well, what's that? And then that's night court. And I was like, oh, but that was an old TV show in the 70s <laughs> <laughs> no, or 80s or something like that way back in the day. But it really happens. And to your point, there are things that are going on all the time in the administration building. And I just wanted wondered if you could talk a little bit more about what you're getting ready to get into. Night court, what are you doing and, and why that's important to the process and, and how it fits into the overall elaborate machinations of, you know, how we run our, our administrative system there. 
Absolutely. So there's a there's a couple of different um, night court, as you would as you would refer to it as. Um, as I said, I was a, a part time magistrate from 2004 to 2012. And then in 2016, I became a full time magistrate judge, uh, which in Gwinnett County, the full time magistrates actually sit by designation in Superior Court. But being a magistrate, I was a magistrate from 2004 to 2020, so uh, 16 years. Um, and so magistrate court is a very important function for our citizens in Gwinnett. Um, and we have a, an amazing magistrate court here in Gwinnett uh, led by uh, Chief Judge Christina Bloom. And magistrate court performs a variety of functions. Uh, first of all, it issues all the arrest warrants and search warrants. Um, we hold the first appearance hearing. A first appearance hearing, that's the first time if you're arrested, that's the first time you come in front of a judge and you are required by law to appear in front of a judge within 48 to 72 hours of your arrest. And the purpose of that hearing, it's an informational hearing where someone is uh, advised of what their charges are, what their rights are, and if they need an attorney, they're given an opportunity to apply for a court-appointed lawyer right there immediately within 48 hours to 72 hours of their arrest. So that's an extremely important hearing. Um, in addition, magistrate court does preliminary hearings, which is gonna be your first evidentiary hearing uh, that you're gonna have um, in, magistrate, in magistrate court. So that judge, it's another la layer of protection, can determine whether or not there's sufficient probable cause to bind whatever the charges are over up to the next level of court. And that's when the defendant actually has an opportunity for their attorney to question or cross-examine the arresting officer. Um, also in magistrate court, they have small claims court. So any lawsuit less than $15,000, they do um, evictions or dispossessories, abandoned motor vehicles. So if you leave your car on the side of the road and never go get it and it gets towed away and you don't pick it up from the tow company, the tow company has the right to actually petition the court um, to claim ownership of that property, and then they can sell it or do whatever they want to with it and keep those profits as a way of paying uh, themselves for- um, Picking it up. For picking it up, right. Yeah. Um, uh, magistrate court uh, has a, a tremendous amount of functions. They also do our garnishments uh, for state court. Um, and so when you were asking about night court, um, magistrate court specifically um, has court in the evenings for the small claims court. Um, and it also has at the jail, we have uh, warrant applications. So if you are a citizen and you want to take out a warrant against somebody else and the police don't want to get involved, you can actually go to magistrate court uh, during the day, complete a warrant application form. You have to have the other person's name and address. That document will get served or mailed to that other person. And then you have a hearing in front of the judge and you can swear out your own warrant to have that person arrested. Whether it's for a battery where you got into a fight with that person, whether it's for some type of uh, damage to property, say a neighbor dispute and somebody backed over somebody's mailbox, uh, things of that nature. And those hearings are actually held at night. Um, same thing with the uh, small claims court. They have a daytime calendar, but you know, if you're a business person and it's very important that you work, uh, accessibility to the courts is very, very important. So we have magistrate court has night court as well. Um, my night court uh, where I spend the night at the jail is a, is a little bit different. That's just me. Um, and so magistrate court has a judge on duty 24 seven, 365. Judge Bloom likes to say we're just like Waffle House. Um, and so uh, that's very, very important for the citizens of Gwinnett County because it provides a service. Uh, for example, if you're arrested at 11 o'clock at night, you don't want to wait for the judge to come on duty at eight o'clock the next day. Wow. So that's number one. Number two, 
the quicker you're booked in the jail by the sheriff, the quicker you can bond out if you have a bond. That costs the taxpayers money um, the longer you're housed. Um, and then number three, it enables our police officers to be more available and accessible on the road. Um, so it's a quicker turnaround. So there's always a judge on duty, whether it's for questions, uh, arrest warrants, search warrants, anything of that nature um, in Gwinnett County. It's a, it's a really amazing program. And I got to be a part of that um, for 12 years. And, um, and so, like I was saying, my, my path to the bench has always been a little bit different. I've literally worked my way up step-by-step step from municipal court to magistrate court to full-time magistrate and now to superior court. And I'm, and I'm really grateful for that. In addition, I also, believe it or not, had a law practice, a thriving law practice for 19 years. Um, and I practice criminal defense. I started out here. Um, I, well, I started out with my dad. We practiced law together for three years um, before I went out on my own. Um, and then when I went out on my own, I started right here in Gwinnett County in Lawrenceville on the court appointed list as a, as a, a defense attorney. Um, and again, I absolutely loved it. Um, I represented litigants in domestic personal injury cases, uh, workers comp. I did a little bit of bankruptcy. I mean, you name it, I've, I've been exposed to it or practiced it. Um, and I did that all over Metro Atlanta. Um, it wasn't just limited here to Gwinnett. Um, and so again, for me, being an attorney and being a judge is really about relationships. And so as an attorney, I built relationships with my clients um, and their families. Um, and they, they still call me today. And I, I, obviously as a judge, I have to say, I'm not allowed to give legal advice anymore, um, <laughs> but I still even have relationships and friendships. A, a bunch of them actually came to my swearing in at the Capitol in 2020. So, wow. um, uh, but I learned that at my father's example. Um, he practiced law for 46 years. Um, and when he retired, uh, he was representing great grandchildren um, of his first client. So uh, I definitely learned that is at his knee. Gotcha. So it's real clear that this desire to engage in the law is, is, is born from a, a very deep place. It's innate to you as an individual. You, grew, you, you literally grew up in it, so to speak. So in 2020, you were appointed to be a judge. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So from your tenure to the time served in everything that you've done, the thought was, Judge Duncan, we, we need someone to step into this space. We think you're the ideal person. Can you just elaborate on how that took place a little bit? Absolutely. Um, so it initially started with, in, um, I want to say, uh, 2018 or 2019, um, our chief judge at the time, uh, Judge Melody Connor, um, decided that she was going to retire, I believe, after 26 years on the bench. And so her position, Division 11, or 7, sorry, Division 7, um, was going to uh, be an open seat um, for, the, for a gubernatorial appointment. And so um, I began the process of applying um, for that seat. Um, and in order to do that, uh, you fill out an application um, and you have to um, that, you, that application goes to the Judicial Nominating Committee, which is a statewide committee appointed by the governor. And you have leaders, business members, and attorneys from all over the state of Georgia uh, that are part of that Judicial Nominating Committee. Um, first, you have to get an interview with the Judicial Nominating Committee. And then if you make it through that interview, the Judicial Nomination Committee narrows that down to the top three to five people um, and then presents those people to the governor and then the governor can choose to interview or not. That was for division seven. Um, with division uh, seven, um, I had the honor uh, and privilege of uh, interviewing with two of my very closest friends. Uh, there were 
33 people applied um, and the three of us, um, Judge Tadia Whitner, um, who's an absolute rock star in my book. Um, uh, she uh, and I have known each other for a very long time. We're both prior military and she is an excellent judge. Uh, she interviewed, I interviewed, and Judge uh, Laura Tate, who's one of our full-time magistrates that's been with Gwinnett County for a very, very long time. Uh, she's had an incredible, exceptional career uh, and continues to serve the county to this day. All three of us uh, went to the governor's office and interviewed. Judge Whitner um, was actually selected uh, for Division Seven, um, and rightfully so. Uh, her qualifications uh, far exceeded mine. Um, what she did when she was in both the military and uh, her experience, I believe, um, was much more vast. So super excited for Gwinnett County and for her. Um, in the meantime, in 2019 also, the legislature created Division 11. Um, and uh, it hadn't been filled yet. And so in November of 2019, um, Governor Kemp selected me um, from that shortlist uh, to take that spot. And I was sworn in in Janu January. Um, it's essentially about a seven month vetting process. Um, so very, just very grateful to get it. Absolutely. So as you say, seven month vetting process, that means there's a lot of rigor to be put in place around selecting who could be the person to sit on the bench. No easy thing, I'm sure. Um, but I would think what folks would definitely want to understand, right, is, and it's funny because we were just talking about this, a, a friend and I, the uh, maybe a couple of days back, because of course, you know, early voting has started. And you have these lists of folks on that third or fourth page right before the questions, and they're all judges. And, you know, they're like, I don't really think I know who any of these people are. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, that's, that's the work. That's the thing. That's the, that's what you have to do. American freedom and how we govern and local politics, which is critically important. All politics is local requires you to do the work. So that means you got to go out and figure out who's who so that they can, you can either decide to fill in that circle or not. Voting is just that important. But what I want to ask you, Judge Duncan, is being appointed versus the election process, and hopefully I'm not asking you any kind of question that will put you in, in an uncomfortable space, right? But what do you think about voting for judges? Because, you know, there's also this aspect that we don't necessarily have the population required in order to oftentimes vote in a manner that we think is conducive to our entire polity. It becomes just a popula popularity contest. And that's just not right. You know, you, you, you vote for people because as you just said, folks need to be qualified for the job. Have right. That, that, that right amount of experience, understand who you're voting for because you've done the due diligence. And in conjunction with that, the person who is running for the job has made it their business to let us, the public know who they are and why they should have the job. So what are your thoughts around appointment versus this, this election process where unfortunately sometimes someone's gonna go into that booth and they're just gonna fill in that, that hole and they don't have any idea who they're voting for. Mm -hmm. Well, um, first of all, as a judge, I'm required to follow the law, whatever it is, whether I agree with it or not. So, um, you know, that's, that's always uh, incumbent upon judges. We follow the law as it is written. And in, in Georgia, our judges are elected. Um, I do think electing judges, um, it, it's really a delicate balance. It could go one way or the other. Um, on the one hand, I don't think being a judge should be a popularity contest as you referred to it. Um, I think it's incredibly important that, um, that we truly have qualified people that have integrity um, and experience and know what they're doing in these positions because these positions literally affect someone's life every day. Uh, more, than, more than one someone typically. Um, and so uh, it's incredibly important that you have things like integrity, accountability um, in these positions. But on the other hand, um, I think it's also important that, um, that the judges have some accountability as well. Um, and um, judges like everybody else are human. 
Um, and so we have uh, effectively an accountability to the public. If there is a judge um, that isn't doing a great job, then there needs to be a means uh, by which that can be changed. Um, now, of course, we have things like the Judicial Qualifications Commission, um, which is um, uh, our rule governing or, or watch, some people call it the watchdog, um, but uh, we have extremely strict code of conduct above and beyond um, the average citizen. And so they also um, make sure that, you know, we are in compliance with the code of ethics that we have. Uh, so I really think it's a delicate balance, um, but right now it's the law. Um, and um, while I'm grateful to have been appointed um, and, to, and to quite honestly, uh, to be an openly LGBTQ uh, woman that was appointed by a Republican governor. I mean, I, I honestly didn't think it was gonna happen, um, but I, I, think, I think that Governor Kemp has done an incredible job appointing qualified judges um, and not letting party or policy make those decisions. Um, across the board, not just me, but I mean in Cobb County, all over the state. Um, so I think that the accountability at some point has to go back to the people. And like you say, if the people want to go in there and don't do their research and just want to check a box, I mean, that's the accountability is going to affect those people too. So absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for that response, Judge Duncan. It's funny when I think about it, right? I've always said myself when I think about things like this, the path to prosperity is brightly illuminated by the light of perspective. And we all really want to go in the same direction and that's mm -hmm. to be prosperous and thrive. And so even as you say, right, LGBTQ, judge, appointed, Kemp, these are things that a lot of folks in our, in our community won't put together, but it's important that we share those stories. Here on NCH, we always talk about it's the stories. The work is to close the ideological divide. I might not agree with a whole lot of stuff that Brian Kemp does, first and foremost, starting with that commercial that he did way back when he was running for office. It was with the gun. Oh, yes, you got it. There were a couple of them. It's like, dude, are you serious right now? And it's like, you can't possibly win that. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Someone else is looking at me too. They're like, hey, dude, what are you talking about? I think I saw that commercial. Yeah, it was wild. But you know, um, again, perspective, right? He he does that. He does what he needs to do to win. But in order to get things right, where we got to go, we got to humanize each other. We got to recognize that we we all need to apply perspective. And when it came down to the appointment, I look at it, and clearly, I think. He made a strong, cogent, wise choice in choosing you. And again, folks wouldn't necessarily put those words together, namely the man in his name and putting you in such a position of power. But he looked at it apparently empirically and made a decision that seemed to make the most sense and would do the best, you know, serve the people of Gwinnett County the best. And you know, as we go into another round of elections, I just wanna make sure to put that out there, right? Because no matter which side of the divide you fall, you know, again, I gotta say it, it can't be, it must not be a popularity contest. It has to be about the diligence of the citizens doing the work to understand how important their vote is. It really matters. And for the position of superior court judge, in case folks weren't listening, you know, go back and play that part again. Judge Duncan, I would just like for you quickly to repeat again for the folks, your auspices, what, you're, what are you responsible for and why is that so important to me and everybody else that live in Gwinnett County? You have authority over us. Well, and, and I, I do, I have, I have authority over the cases that appear in front of me. Um, and, and a superior court judge has a tremendous um, wide range of cases, but they are predominantly felony criminal cases, everything from felony shoplifting to murder, um, and then uh, any type of domestic case. So whether it's 
a divorce, child custody, uh, child support, legitimation, adoptions. Um, I, I, we hear those. And then anything that has to do with the property or title to land. And so, you know, having uh, that type of authority over another human being's life is a, is a tremendous responsibility. Um, but what is important is, is the judge's responsibility is to take the law and apply the law even-handedly and fairly and impartially to both sides. Um, and that's what I do. Thank you so much. So again, folks, please, and rewind and play that part back. I want folks to clearly understand the level of responsibility that's required when you go into the booth and you vote, not just for, you know, the, the state legislature or the federal positions or president, right? As so many of us unfortunately seem to think that's the really only important time that you have to go out and vote. Judge Duncan is running for Superior Court judge. It's important that you understand what her responsibility is and you do your civic duty and get engaged and understand and know why you must vote. While we're on that point, Judge Duncan, I would like to ask you your question, point of law uh, or point of our system rather, you know, uh, there's always this statement of, you know, um, you're a human being, but you gotta be impartial. But human beings, I'm a, I'm a Trekkie, by the way, but I'm not just a Trekkie, I love Star Wars. I'm a sci-fi geek. So I'm Star Wars, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, see, I can relate. I can relate. That's it. I, I used to have my own lightsaber, for real. Was, mm, yeah, all of that. But, um, you know, we're not Vulcans. And you can't be a Vulcan because it's, it's fiction, right? Um, oh, even though... <laughs> She just held up the, the, the Vulcan symbol, folks, just because you can't see it. But uh, uh, please elaborate on, you know, um, you have to be impartial on the bench. That means it's required that you divorce yourself somewhat from your emotions, or at least that's how people perceive it, right? That you have to be this, this automaton that listens and goes specifically by the law, but Again, and, and I'll weigh in personally, I think you have to be a human being because, you know, that's what you are. And you just talked about, you know, deeply, you know, how relationships matter. I think they always matter. And I think law as explicit as it may be written, all things, all things operate on a spectrum, on a scale. And the filters of logic and how the law is written and how things have to be properly adjudicated, in my opinion, means that you need someone on the bench who can be impartial enough to imply them, but still, however it must be run, hang on to the, their humanity, as opposed to divorcing themselves from it. Now, I just sat there and went through a personal soliloquy, I apologize for that, talking about how I think about it, but what I think ain't really all that important. <laughs> What's important is, what do you think, Judge Duncan? So could you just tell us what you think about that? Humanity versus, you know, or, or rather say it, uh, impartiality, which is required, versus integrating your human self into your job on the bench. Does that question make sense? Like I Absolutely. said, I love the front of my mouth. Okay. No, I, I completely understand. And I, and I want to make sure that, the, that you understand and that our listeners understand is that there, the impartiality comes by application of the law. It's how the law is applied that must be impartial. I have to apply the law the exact same to both in a criminal case, the, the state as the defendant. I have to apply the law the same to a mother and to a father. Humanity is really what it's all about. Um, and where the humanity comes in, it comes in with my, my listening abilities, um, my empathy. Um, you know, I have to take people, I think what, one of the things that's very unique that people don't understand about being a judge, um, you know, they say that justice is blind and, um, you know, you get the Statue of Liberty with the scales and, and uh, you know, and, and, the reality is, is uh, it, it's not, it should be, um, but it's not. Um, and so 
what I do is like I was saying earlier, you know, I go to court every day. Most people will go to court once or twice in a lifetime. Yeah. And so what I do is I try to, when I listen uh, to testimony and to people, um, is I try to meet them where they're at. I don't try to bring them to where I am. That's the impartiality. If I wasn't impartial, I would have some sort of expectation that everybody be where I think they should be. That's not my place. My place is to take people where I find them, whatever their circumstances, their culture, their background, their upbringing, and I meet them where they are and apply the law. Um, and it, I think it's really, really important. You know, the, uh, where did you grow up, Mary? Atlanta. I'm oh. uh, Southwest Atlanta, born and bred. Okay. My, my mama was uh, born and raised in Atlanta, so I completely understand. But I grew up just outside of Washington, D.C. Hmm. And my childhood experience was completely and totally different. Um, I didn't understand as a child. Um, honestly, I didn't understand about racism. Mm -hmm. I moved down here down south and I was confronted with a whole different species. Wow. Um, Washington, D.C. wasn't just wasn't like that. Um, and so I had to adjust. Um, you know, I grew up surrounded by um, in our neighborhood, we had uh, Americans, we had Puerto Rican, we had Chinese, we had every culture across the board. And so I didn't think anything about it. It was no, there was no different. And then when I came down here, it's a lot, it's a lot different. When I'm in court, I'm going to have somebody in front of me that might be from a different cultural or a different neighborhood or, and they grew up in a different type of way. It would be incorrect for me to try and views my childhood onto them and have those expectations. So when I say impartial, I mean not only impartial to either, you know, the prosecution or the defense or the plaintiff or the defendant, I mean impartial from who I am, but I can still recognize my life experiences, but I meet people where they are. I don't expect them to come to where I am. Does that make any sense? That makes a ton of sense. And even as you were walking your way through it. Judge Duncan, I got to tell you, was weighing heavily on me. I, I was internalizing each and every word. And I want folks to hear what you said implicitly. You know, the, the impartiality is about the, the statement of the law and how it's applied. But often enough, unfortunately, I think us everyday citizens don't look at it like that, mostly based on news and, and you know, the, the words that get out there and what people tend to say. But you just made it real clear. It's about you as a person sitting on a bench, not projecting yourself onto others. Meeting them where they are is one of the most powerful statements. And I just want to say thank you for, for, for doing that as a judge. You know, again, the position wills a great deal of power in stating up front and out loud that, you know, I will not discount you. I will not look sideways at you or judge you judge you for who you are and where you're from that 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 means a great deal that's powerful that is very powerful so thank you for that response yes sir and and, and honestly um i didn't learn that overnight um because of the years of experience i have and you know in municipal court judges we deal primarily with uh pro se litigants or, or individuals they don't have lawyers um as a magistrate court judge we dealt uh, primarily with pro se litigants and, and people without lawyers. And so because I've had that opportunity to build those types of relationships or see people over and over and over again in front of me as a judge, I've developed um, that, that ability um, to recognize that that's what, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. Um, and to be able to do it because it's not always easy. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can get, uh, I had some young men, um, they were charged with murder um, and they were 17 when it happened. Wow. Um, never been in trouble before, great kids um, and their life changed in a, in a blink of an eye. 
you know, and the first thing I thought of was my two boys, wow. you know, um, and I, I was furious um, because my heart was breaking because their their lives were forever altered and and the victim, you know, yeah. great kid. Um, but they all made some very bad decisions that uh, tremendously impacted them forever. But I have to, again, I have to take myself to where they are, not expect them to be where I am. Absolutely. And, you know, the, it, it's, it's interesting to me that you mentioned that, Judge Duncan, because I don't know if I actually mentioned it when, when we first uh, met. By the way, for the listeners, I, I met the judge before the show, just in case you guys are wondering. And yeah, actually, I didn't get to do all the talking when I met Judge Duncan. My daughter did, which was great for me. I felt <laughs> so proud. Um, anyway, um, I've said this to other uh, departments and, 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 and whatnot in my journey through getting to understand local politics, but I, I really do feel bad about the fact that over the course of my life and career, I've done a, a number of things. And I'm an IT guy, technologist by trade, and I've educated a whole bunch of youth in STEM. And I've had people reach back to me over a long period of time to say thank you. And unfortunately, sometimes I don't remember what I said or did, but you know, I've had people call me and say, yeah, my daughter's been doing great at Microsoft. And, and I just want to say thank you. And I'm like, really? Can't you get me a job? <laughs> it's, 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 really, it's really good stuff. But it's, 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 the, it's the exposure and, and knowing and understanding and getting people engaged. So let me get to my point. You know, what we were just talking about, what you just said about the kids there. And, you know, what I've seen in other parts of government and in school, because I've just put my foot in that space, too. A lot of folks just don't know Judge Duncan. They don't know there's no, and it's not like you want to say, okay, the, the courtroom needs a marketing staff because that sounds trite and some folks might look at that and go, well, that's dumb, Derek, why would you say that? And I still haven't figured out how to say it, but I guess the only way I can say it is you guys do need a marketing staff or something because it's the stories that move hearts and minds and get people engaged. I know you've noticed this over the years since you, know, you were a child, Judge Duncan, but news has progressively gotten much more um, entertainment oriented, high production values. I think maybe it was about four or five years ago. Just my mind works, this stuff sticks out to me. But you know, you turn to Channel 2 Action News and it's action, the helicopter flying, and you see the folks going through the newsroom. And I think it's 11 Alive where they actually started standing. And sometimes the camera would walk with them through the newsroom. You're like, well, wait a minute, what just happened? <laughs> it's turned into a show. We wouldn't want the courtroom to become a show, not for real life. We've got fiction for that, but stories that have real impact and the things that you folks do, somehow I think we got to figure out how to get that out better. So folks realize that they have a responsibility. They have a responsibility as citizens to understand what it is you do and why it's so important. And my real thing that, that tripped me up in my mind as you were talking is, you know, you said it, these are the good kids, but the result is the lives are irrevocably changed, perhaps lost, hopefully not, maybe they can find redemption, but bad, bad choices. And I liken that to choices made in ignorance and ignorance, not as a bad thing or evil is ignorance as you don't know, the culture, your environment, whatever it is that's happening around you as a person, as a youth, is not informing you to understand what the wider world is like or the implications of which way you may step. Those kids took a bad step and wound up in front of you. They wound up in front of you. And I think it would be reasonable to say, and I'm hoping you would agree that they had no idea what they were in for. I agree 100%. So I say that to say, you know, like I said the same thing to the police captain. I was like, dude, you, he said, well, I've got a Facebook presence. We've got, we've got, and I met the guy that runs and I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe you need to do a TikTok. <laughs> you know, <laughs> get something out there that it goes back to what you said, meeting people where they are so that they better understand what's happening around them. They say all politics is local and it is, it is. You and I live in this space together and you have an area of responsibility and clearly you're doing it well, but your name is on the ballot 
And I know my man of the street has no idea who you are. I'm going to go tell him to listen to this interview after we've got this thing published, by the way. But yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that, Judge Duncan? Well, I think there's a delicate balance. And I think, um, and I, and I, that would be the one thing when it goes back to the question, should judge be, judges be appointed or elected? Um, and so that kind of relates back to that a little bit for me. Um, I certainly think that it's good for people to know who their judges are and what their record is and everything else. But um, to some extent, as citizens, that burden falls upon us, not upon the appointee or the, the electee, as it were. Um, one of the things that judges have to be careful with, you know, we do have to have some community involvement. Um, I have community involvement. Um, I've worked with the Explorers program. I volunteer with the Strat program. Um, um, I, um, and Strap is a, is a program called Seeking the Right Amenable Path for Disadvantaged Youths that have experienced um, problems in juvenile court. And it's a six month program. And so my wife and I actually have volunteered there, I, I wanna say for like seven years. Um, the Gwinnett County Sheriff's Department has their Explorers program. I've volunteered there in the past and I've gone and spoken in some, some high schools, uh, middle schools and elementary schools. Um, and then I'm a, I'm a veteran. So I also uh, volunteered at the Veterans Resource Center in Gwinnett County. But judges have to be careful. Um, and as I had stated previously, the Judicial Qualifications Committee, we have a, a specific set of rules and ethics that we have to abide by. And in order for judges to, it's not just do they remain um, impartial, but they also have to maintain the appearance of impropriety. Um, and so um, we can't spend all of our time out there in the community building relationships because one day one of those relationships is going to walk into the courtroom. And then somebody's going to say, well, you can't hear it because you have a relationship. Right. So it's a really delicate balance. Uh, nobody knows who the judges are because um, we, uh, unlike politicians, we try to stay out of the public eye. Absolutely. Um, because, um, you know, it, it's just like, okay, so I'll give you an example. Um, 10 or 15 years ago, somebody wanted to give me um, an award from uh, a domestic violence uh, women's shelter program. They wanted to recognize me with their annual award. And I went back to them and I said, I'm incredibly honored and thank you. Because at that time, I believe, uh, no, that was in like 2016, maybe. Um, I was doing a lot of temporary protective orders, uh, which are domestic violence orders. Uh, when people are involved in domestic violence or stalking, uh, TPO is to keep one party away from the other party. And, um, and I told them I couldn't accept it. And they said, well, why not? And I said, well, how would you feel if you were accused of domestic violence and the judge that you were in front of had some award on the shelf for being this great victim advocate. Wow. You feel like you're uneven off the bat. That's right. That's right. You know? Um, and that's not fair to the people. That's not fair to the people so uh, that appear in front of me. So it's extremely important. Important. While it's important that we be known, it's also important that we can kind of take a step back. Um, um, we really do have to be neutral um, or we could find ourselves in a conflicted position um, either by virtue of relationships and, and that includes being members of certain organizations. Um, we're only allowed to do so much. We're, we're not free to do anything and everything. Um, and so, and that's just stuff that you don't understand unless you've been doing this for a really long time. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. And I think the nuance there of what you just explained also, again, it, it, to me, it comes down to American citizenship and how our freedom is, it's no trite, no simple thing. It, it has its levels of complexity. So as us everyday people are out here having conversations around judges, I think it behooves us to make sure we're thinking about that nuance that you just 
highlighted and detailed for us, right? Because you're human, you're going to make relationships. And those most, most, of, most of us who pay attention know that judges sometimes have to recuse themselves, but mm -hmm. you have to walk that right path. So to your point, that, that was a very powerful and very good example. You know, you have to use your judgment to figure out where you're going to step, what you're going to do, what you're going to get engaged in. And again, uh, another thank you to you, Judge Duncan, for taking the time to get engaged in the community. I know those things are very helpful. Those are the things that I think people should know and understand your judicial record as much as they can understand it. Because, you know, also, we also got to be honest, a lot of us, you know, um, I definitely don't understand a lot about the law. You know, I got a, 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 a I'm kind of clever. I can understand some things, but I think the best thing for me, a person like me to do is to get some insight, understand you as a candidate, and then, of course, get that other side, too, and understand you as a person. Because, again, you know, though we may live long and prosper, you know, as, as we want, you know, we're all human beings. And, you know, we you, you have to have your life, too. And, and that's important to consider, I think. I think that's very important to consider. I wouldn't want an automaton sitting on the judge anyway. As no. you say, I would want someone who can look at me and, and say, okay, well, that's a human being there. And I'm going to operate and understand who they are in their position. And, and that is where I'm going to drive and, and how I'm going to manage my courtroom. So um, I've got one more question to ask you, Judge, mm -hmm. because I know you've got to run. Again, you're busy. <laughs> you're doing important things. Um, I think it'd be remiss of me if I didn't ask your thoughts around the big thing of the moment, the Supreme Court, and um, if you can, whatever it is you can say, of course, uh, Roe v. Wade, you know, and without me putting any uh, color or filter into the, the, the ask, just what, what are your thoughts on what's happening right now? Well, uh, as a judge, I am as bound by the law. Um, as anyone else, uh, just like the law applies to you, the law applies to me. Um, and so whatever the law is, however I feel about it personally, um, um, I have to follow that law. Um, and that's kind of a hard period. Um, how do I feel about the, I can, I can speak about how I feel about the circumstances. Um, I am, um, infuriated um, and um, incredibly disappointed uh, at whoever chose to leak that document. Um, you know, I hold the Supreme Court of the United States as um, one of the most sacred things. Uh, it is certainly the most sacred thing in my profession. Yes. Um, and um, it's just quite astounding that someone would do that. Um, but I can't comment on how, uh, how I feel about the possibility of that changing or not. It would be inappropriate for me to do so. Um, all I can say is that I'm a woman. Well, all right. And I think that is a profound an outstanding answer, Judge Duncan. I, I will tell you that. As you can see, I, I'm smiling because I can see the intellectual gears turning and that kind of thing actually warms me. Very thoughtful response. So I'm going to elaborate just a little bit on that, folks. As you're listening, please listen to how Judge Duncan actually responded. To me, that is the response of an ever-aspiring critical thinker who holds her job and what she does in high esteem and you're not supposed to violate that. So, you know, um, we like etching edges. That's what we do. But some edges have to remain inviolate. And I think on that point, that also goes to the statement that you said. And I think folks should really think about that because it is profound. Someone leaked it. Someone leaked it. And however it plays out, there was a point and purpose to it. Some folks may think that's great. A lot of folks think it's horrible. I can only imagine what Chief Justice Roberts is thinking right now because the Supreme Court is supposed to be inviolate, even though it is occupied by a ton of human beings. Someone took it upon themselves to say the country is not where I think we should be. So I'm going to be responsible for this as an individual, 
for a nation of over 330 million people and in one of the most sacred and again in violent institutions in our country, I'm going to violate that and put this out there in the public sphere. And this is the result. Folks should really just sit back and think on that for a moment. So thank you for that response, Judge. And well, um, I also think it was done on purpose. I don't think it's an accident that it was leaked yeah. during during election time. Yeah, yeah. It was not an accident. Absolutely. I can I say that. <laughs> I think I, I read uh, maybe three or four possibilities on folks thinking who and, and from what camp it might have come from. I'm real big on saying I, I like to write fiction on the side so I can be speculative, so to, so to speak. Speculative. But um, I have no idea. I have read or seen nothing that would lead me sitting over here in Sawana, Georgia, in Gwinnett County to say it came out of, I, I simply don't know. I couldn't even begin to guess where it might have come from. But from an ideological perspective, I can see pros and cons on both sides. Right. It's, it's all, I mean, we can all speculate, um, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's, I mean, there's a reason that it happened when it did. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Judge Duncan, as ever, I have to give the guests the last word. We are in election season, there's an election coming up. So please, your final words to the audience. Uh, yes. Thank. First of all, Derek, let me just say thank you so, so much for inviting me and having me on here today. And I'd like to thank the listeners for taking an opportunity um, out of their day to, to actually listen to the podcast. Um, I think it's a great way to get the message out there and to give everybody a little bit of an insight into who I am as a person. Um, I would say that, you know, my name is Judge Angela Duncan. Uh, I am your Gwinnett County Superior Court Judge, Division 11, but I'm also a human being. Um, I am married to my wife. Uh, we've been together for almost 15 years. We have two adult sons, um, and we live here in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Um, I am a real person on the bench, as on the bench as I am off the bench. Um, I am not a politician. Um, and I believe that uh, my responsibility to the citizens of Gwinnett County is to serve them in the best way that I know how. Um, and that is through being fair, compassionate and impartial and applying the law to both sides, whether plaintiff or defendant, whether prosecution or defendant, um, and to meet people where they are. Um, and it's also important that anyone who appears in my courtroom, I want to make sure that they understand my thinking and why whatever is happening is happening um, because they deserve uh, and that right. Um, I would say vote for me because I am uh, the most, not only the most experienced judge, um, but also because I believe that integrity, um, impartiality, compassion and empathy um, are keys to the bench. Um, and I put the citizens before myself. And so I would just ask for you to go to duncanforgwinnett.com if you wanna learn any more about me, my background, my experience, my education, um, and vote for me on uh, May 24th, if you want. Early voting is now open uh, seven days a week from May 2nd to May 20th. 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. at limited poll locations. Outstanding. Thank you so much, Judge Duncan. Edges have been etched. Judge Angela Duncan is deeply rooted in a tradition of service, something she picked up from her father. Over the course of her life, she's learned to lean in, truly see people, and meet them where they are, a lesson she has found to be crucial as she serves from the bench. Thank you for sharing with us today, Judge Duncan. Thank you for etching the edges. And of course, we have to thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. So please like and subscribe. Tell your family, tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Etch the Edges. And don't forget to visit our website at EtchTheEdges.com. Check us out, join the movement, express your commitment to the cause. Cause for a better America, a better world. 
where we often stand together at the mountaintop. Do it for America. Indeed, do it for a better world. Be good to yourselves and each other. We'll see you next time. Thank you.